from Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. The brightest stars shine when the stage is the biggest. And for all the conversation we had for two weeks leading up to the Super Bowl, all eyes were going to be on these quarterbacks. They both delivered. And Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and the Kansas City Chiefs take all of their legacy one step further with a huge Super Bowl 57 win. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, and all eyes are going to be on the Super Bowl and what it means for Patrick Mahomes because, Harry, last night we watched what some are saying is the best Super Bowl of all time. We watched them go at it, and we watched for the first time, I think, a real key legacy moment for Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl where he came out and played a game that was like a work of art. Yeah, and I'll be honest with you. Was it the best first half? No. Uh, but granted, that's because of the Philadelphia Eagles and them being able to control the football. But the Kansas City Chiefs were able to get a defensive touchdown that kept them in everything. It kept them within striking distance, Fitz. And I'll say that this is the second time we have seen the Kansas City Chiefs that's led by Patrick Mahomes be down 10 points in a Super Bowl but in neither game did anyone on that roster, uh, including coaches, blink an eye, and they came out with wins in both of them. Well, and get part of the reason that happened in the first half is Mahomes just wasn't on the field much, right? Like it, Correct. And time of possession was skewed so wildly to the Eagles, you wondered how Kansas City was going to be able to sustain drives. But that's exactly what they were able to do all the way down to the end of the game. This is what it sounded like on Westwood 1 as the Chiefs get the win. Long pass, it lands at the 20, no one is there, zeros on the clock, it's over, it's over, the Chiefs have won, the Chiefs have won Super Bowl 57 on a game-winning field goal, trailing at 10, at the halftime stop, 24-14, they go on to win 38-35, what a game. It was an incredible game. And obviously, as we uh, break down what it meant for Mahomes, his numbers, 21 of 27, talk about efficient, for 182 yards, 6.7 yards per attempt, three touchdowns, no picks, a rating of 131.8. You know, Harry, uh, I was tough over the last couple of weeks on Mahomes' prior Super Bowl performances. This was that moment to me where it came out and you just it felt like a man possessed. It couldn't be stopped. There was nothing the Eagles defense could do in the second half to slow down the Chiefs offense and particularly one Patrick Mahomes. And Patrick Mahomes had one incompletion in the second half. That's how dialed in. That's how locked in he was. But I thought it was very imperative that Andy Reid went into halftime and said, you know what? We got to run the football more effectively because of the time of possession and the lack of opportunities that they got in the first half. Patrick Mahomes, though, as long as you have number 15 on your roster, Jason Fitz, the Kansas City Chiefs are going to be in it year in and year out. I mean, bottom line. You're right, and this is why I drink so much during football season as a Raiders fan. Uh, but what I watched last night was this just reminder, and, and I was saying to some of the guys as we were watching the game, you know, we, we hit the second half of this thing, and the Chiefs were right back in it. It's like, man, 
the Eagles have have outplayed Kansas City, and it doesn't matter. Like when you have Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid together, but when you have Patrick Mahomes, it just it's amazing how everyone around him can just flat out Ooh. step up and deliver. Ooh, there it is. I'm glad you brought it up because see the supporting cast to me, the support the supporting Patrick Mahomes is going to be phenomenal, right? I'm, I'm never worried about Patrick Mahomes. But the supporting cast, can those guys who are young, who haven't been in this moment before, step up in a big game? You talk about that offensive line, giving up zero sacks against a team who led the National Football League with 70 this season and a team that was dominant and put two quarterbacks out in the NFC Championship game, phenomenal. You talk about Juju Smith-Schuster, who had seven catches for 53 yards and also drew the penalty uh, holding call on James Bradbury at the end that basically put the game away. You talk about special teams, right? Kadarius Toney, a 65-yard punt return that set up another score for them. But you talk about that defense as well. Giving up 28 rushing yards, Fitz, in the second half. That's phenomenal, especially when you're dealing with the team in the Philadelphia Eagles who were top five in rushing the whole entire season. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about that defense. Two sacks, five tackles for loss, three passes defended. Defensively, they were so sound. And I keep going back to some of the names you just mentioned. Juju Smith-Schuster is a good wide receiver, right? But he's not out there. On most teams, he's not out there being your number one, oh my God, I can't believe they have this guy. We'll never be able to stop him. Like There is this moment where they're elevated by play design. They're elevated by quarterback play. They're elevated by the play calling. All of the things together are different. Like The fact that Travis Kelsey... Had six catches on six targets. We talk about efficiency. Everybody in the world knows that the ball is going to Travis Kelsey, and you still can't stop him. Like So you've got a defense that played lights out. You've got weapons that you're right were absolutely key. And I said all last week on this show, I said on our digital shows repeatedly, the number one offensive line this season in pass block win rate, the best at handling the rush, was Kansas City. Now, part of that's because of the right. way Patrick Mahomes plays the game. But we saw it in the Super Bowl. This is the best defensive line they were going to take on. And it's the reason that, frankly, I made quite a bit of cash on this game last I was right about the Chiefs because everybody stepped up. Everybody you, you, stepped you, up. You, you was right and Coach was wrong. I can't believe Coach was wrong. But coaches are wrong sometimes, ladies and gentlemen. We don't get everything right, Fitz. Yeah, no, no, you no. Hit, you hit, you hit the, the, the nail right on the coffin, oh, my oh, man. Oh, look, look. But, but also, I want to bring up one other thing, though, because the offensive line and their pass blocking was phenomenal, but I want to talk about their run blocking, mm. right? To, to the point to where they put up 153 yards on the ground rushing. Isaiah Pacheco, the rookie, the energizer bunny, the guy who's another motor out there that gets guys going, 15 carries, 76 yards, and a touchdown. Unbelievable, man. So that offensive line, kudos, we call them attaboys, right? If you don't get a game ball, you get an attaboy. Atta damn boy, offensive line. That's the way to show up and show out on the biggest stage when your team needs you the most. Yeah, 26 carries for 158 yards, averaging 6.1 yards per carry. I mean, think about that average oh per carry. Because, look, Philly tried to do it. Hurts had 15 rushes. The team had 32 overall. They averaged 3.6 doing it. You know, that it is amazing because you said, Coach was right about this. You said that one of the keys of the game was, will they be able to get their running backs involved? Would they be able to run the ball efficiently was what we talked about. And they did that. They were able to run the ball efficiently. They were also able to use their backs out of the backfield in, in different capacities uh, catching the ball. So, it felt like everything we asked on Friday of Kansas City was delivered on. And at some point, you've got to credit 
everybody involved in this process. You, you've got to credit Andy Reid, who, mm-hmm. you know, there's been some conversation that he gets away from the run. Sure as hell didn't do that last night. No, 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 no. And, and while we're talking about the run game, I'm not going to exclude Patrick Mahomes as well because Patrick Mahomes had 44 yards. Mm. And his biggest run in the game came at the end on their last drive on a 26-yard uh, scramble that put them in positions to be able to kick the game-winning field goal. So Patrick Mahomes on, on the bum ankle, on the high ankle spring that got nicked up multiple times in that game, in the Super Bowl, still had enough juice, like he did in the AFC Championship game, to put things away uh, against the Cincinnati Bengals, had enough juice to propel forward and scamper for 26 yards and put the Kansas City Chiefs uh, with their second Super Bowl while he's the quarterback. Last night was what the Chiefs have been all year. And I, I keep thinking about watching the game and anyone that sat there and said, man, I can't believe what I'm seeing. I've watched so much Chiefs football this year, and last night was exactly who they are. There are times <laughs> that you think you've got them in the corner. There are times you think, man, this team isn't that good. And then you look up at the scoreboard a few minutes later, and you realize they are, that they find all the little ways to beat you, and that they've got a world beater at quarterback. And in that process of of the way they run their offense and the way they play the game, no lead is safe against them. They can come out and beat you a million different ways, and they're just going to do that to you constantly. I watched, I watched Philly do what so many teams have done this year. I watched Philly play a really good game that they're, they're scratching their head at the end saying, how the hell did we lose that one? That happens all the time <laughs> against this Chiefs team. Yes, it does. And Fitz, I got to ask you a question. Growing up, did you did you did you like Kool Aid? You like drinking Kool Aid growing up? The first time I ever had, look, my brother was allergic to uh, he was allergic to artificial coloring. First time I ever had Kool Aid, it had vodka in it. So, uh, but I liked it a lot then. I didn't know what it tasted like normal. I like Kool Aid a lot now. But I, I love Kool Aid growing up. Uh, the red kind, see, hmm. the red kind for me, not fruit punch. We call it the red kind. Okay. okay. Shout out to Big Red Andy Reid, <laughs> showing why he's Big Red and why he's phenomenal as a head coach. Well, you mentioned that, and it leads us to another angle on this game. Because, look, so much conversation has been made about Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady. But there's a better comparison for this entire Chiefs team that needs to be made. We'll do that next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. The Chiefs are champions of Super Bowl 57. I told y'all at the beginning of the week, there's nothing that's going to keep me off that football field. It's the best feeling in the world, man. Everything we work for is for this moment. You have to enjoy this moment. I mean, if there was any doubters left, there shouldn't be now. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Fitz and Harry. This, in my eyes, what Patrick Mahomes has been able to do the last five years is remarkable and the best I've ever seen. Wide open, Sky Moore, touchdown! Patrick Mahomes is a better individual quarterback than Tom Brady. Mahomes steps up, he's going to scramble, he's at the 40, bad ankle 30, bad ankle 20, tackle from behind down to the Eagle 18-yard line, a 25-yard scramble. No matter where it ends up right now today, it feels like we're seeing this special moment in time that's just never been replicated before. I can't say that it's going to make him the GOAT, but it makes this five-year period the GOAT beginning. While we're constantly consumed with legacy, 
and the conversation of what a Super Bowl win means, especially for the Chiefs, I'm focused on the right now. And right now, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes have asserted themselves into a dominant conversation that reminds me of Belichick and Brady, which means the entire league has a tandem to fear for the foreseeable future. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. And Harry, you know this about me. I'm not a guy that usually comes in with these big like, oh, this means this for the legacy and this means that for the legacy. But, man, I'm watching the Super Bowl last night, and we were talking about it. When you want to talk about the greatness of Mahomes, you also have to talk about the great work of Andy Reid in this process. And I'm watching it as a fan of an opposing team saying, this is what it felt like for an entire division to face Brady and Belichick every year. Like, right now, the Chiefs are just so much – it doesn't matter who's around them. As long as they've got those two guys, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, they're constantly going to be Super Bowl contenders every year. And I tell people all the time, Fitz, coaching actually does matter. It matters, and it showed last night in the Super Bowl. You talk about the second half and going into halftime and making the proper adjustments – Andy Reid, that is, it was phenomenal, right? They had 21 plays in the first half. They ended up with 34 plays in the second half. And I just want to talk about the drives, right? Um, the first drive coming out of half, in which I thought was the most important one, I didn't think they needed to go down and score three. They needed to go down and score a touchdown. They ran the ball predominantly most of the plays on that, on that drive and got away with a touchdown, came away with a touchdown. That was 10 plays. The second drive that they had in the second half, a touchdown, nine plays. Uh, that was basically the Juju Smith-Schuster drive when he had about three, four catches on that one drive. The third one was only three plays because of the Kadarius Tony, you know, 65-yard punt return. But they got the ball with five minutes and 15 seconds left to go in the game. The Philadelphia Eagles didn't see the ball again to six seconds. That was 12 plays in the game-winning field goal. Andy Reid going into halftime and understanding that, hey, you know what, guys? We got to be more committed to the run. We have to understand that, if we don't run the football effectively and we just go back and pass it and we don't own any of this time of possession, there's an opportunity that we may lose this football game. So I credit Andy Reid for being committed to it in the second half and sticking with it. Also, they were gashing the hell out of the, the Philadelphia Eagles. And, and I just got one question for the Eagles defense. Where were you guys last night? Wasn't it? Where were you guys last night? Because they were non-existent. The Philadelphia offense scored 35 points, and the defense gave up 38, and they lost that ball game. So uh, kudos to Andy Reid and, and what he was able to do. But you talk about the two touchdowns, right? The one to Sky Moore and the other one to Kadarius Toney. It's all about film study and scouting and, and figure out ways to put your players in positions to be successful. They motion across the field all the time drastically as eye candy. This time they seen something on field either previously before the game or during that game when they did that fast speed sweep motion that made the corners on the, on, on the opposing team, on the defense, that say, hey, try to pass it off or try to go over top and run through. And they got two wide open touchdowns because of the scouting and the way that they seen things transpiring defensively uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, that, that was the chess match that I think was so impressive to me in the fourth quarter because Kadarius Tony wasn't just open. Like, he was sit down, have yourself a four-course meal, then... Uh, well, we, call it, we call it butt naked. Yeah, he, he, he was butt naked open. I mean, and then... Yeah, the, butt naked open. The Sky Moore touchdown... Not only was it a great play design, but it was like they knew what was coming defensively. They absolutely anticipated where they were going to be sending everybody from, and it was wildly open. Like that—that's the part of this that is so 
uh, alarming to me when you talk about greatness because look at the difference. Like, you know, you've got obviously a 35-yard field goal as we go to half uh, for the Eagles. Uh, You you wish you make more of that red zone opportunity. In the third quarter, you got a 33-yard field goal. Wish you would make more of that red zone opportunity. When the Chiefs got in the red zone in the second half, they got it done in part because they have a quarterback that forces you to make commitments every time he runs around that you may not be able to make. But also in part because they've got the smartest play caller in the room. They've got the smartest play designer in the room. They've got the smartest offensive coach in the NFL running all this. So when you give the best chef the best ingredients, we should not be surprised when you end up with the best restaurant. And that's exactly what's happened for Kansas City. It's so mind-boggling to me because if you look at the numbers, everything tells you that the Philadelphia Eagles should have won that game. You look at third downs, right? Kansas City were four for eight. They were 50%. But the Eagles were 11 for 18 and two for two on fourth down conversions. You look at the red zone in which the Kansas City Chiefs were better. They were four for five in the red zone. The Eagles were three for five. And you look at time of possession, the Eagles held the football 11 more minutes than the Kansas City Chiefs. But the Kansas City Chiefs came out with a three-point win and scored 38 points still. So that lets you know, as long as you have Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, you have an opportunity to win a Super Bowl year in and year out. It's Fitz and Harry. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Think about this, dude. Like, I I listen to Coach, right? Like, I listen to Coach. And what does Coach always remind me about? Four or five plays. You know, a, a, a win comes down to who made four or five plays. If you're the Chiefs, you know you can get outplayed on 50 or 60 plays because you've got the right tandem that can turn four or five plays into touchdowns. And that's just, I don't know how you stop that. Like I said this last week, I'll say it again. This was supposed to be the year that you could catch the Chiefs. Like Mahomes is costing them a little bit of money. They got rid of Tyreek Hill. This was supposed to be the year. And what we just learned is that as long as Mahomes is back there, there's never a year, and that's very much that's very patriot-like because you never knew. Some years Tom Brady had a bunch of weapons. Some years Tom Brady didn't have a bunch of weapons. Some years it felt like the Patriots were going to have an easy pass. Some years it didn't. But the consistency was that constantly they were in the Super Bowl conversation because they had not Brady or Belichick. They had Brady and Belichick. And as long as you have Mahomes and Andy Reid, it's in that same conversation. I know it's very early, but right now what they're doing has the same intimidation factor to the AFC as what Belichick and Brady did in their prime. I I agree with you. The Chiefs offensively, they had four drives in the second half. They scored a touchdown on three of them um, and kicked the field goal on the other one. And honestly, they only kicked the field goal in the last one because they were trying not to score a touchdown because they did not want to give the Eagles an opportunity. So uh, they cashed in in the second half. They made the best of their drives. Their drives were long sustained outside of one of them because they got a short field to deal with. But also, you know, sometimes luck has to be be on your side in situations like this in in, in a Super Bowl game. And as phenomenal as Jalen Hurts was, he did have that one play in which was returned for a touchdown for Kansas City in which I thought they were struggling more so in the first half. But that seven points really put things in perspective for them to not be out of the game. Oh, yeah. There was a heated uh, moment in our show prep today because uh, Devin, who works on the show behind the scenes and always does great work, very passionate about the fumble that le- led to uh, directly to a touchdown. Who, who's, Devin, who's, who, who's Devin a fan of? What team is this I mean, team? He, he, he might be a Giants fan. Might be. He, okay. he just said that we shouldn't be giving Jalen Hurts an A-plus no. um, based on the fact that he also had a fumble that was recovered. Well, let me ask you this, Fitz mm-hmm. and Harry. 
Yeah. Uh-huh. Let's, just just say, let's, just say, let's just say let's just say this was Dak Prescott. Same situation, same stats, and he threw an interception that was returned for a touchdown. Well, Jalen Hurts is better. I, no, no, so no, no. Are we first. are we are we not having <laughs> the conversation on that interception was crucial? Well, wait, 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 wait. Dak is the wrong example because we do it's definitely the wrong example. Dak, Dak could Dak could fart, and we would be like, well, the reason that they <laughs> lost the Super Bowl is because the Cowboys quarterback farted. Like it's the Cowboys quarterback. That that's where we are on this. Uh, it, it, would we have some conversation? If Mahomes had had a uh, if Mahomes had had a fumble return for a touchdown, would we sit there and say that we should suddenly view Mahomes differently? I just think that in in a in a <clears throat> game of ch- a game changing plays, right? Like he played incredible. Like I'm not I'm not denying that, but in a, in a in a way of game changing plays like that, you can't tell me that that's not. Uh, if he did, no, if he played, fumble, it played a factor. We, 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 it, play, it, it played a factor, but the defense let them down more so than Jalen. Hurts. We will yeah. continue to debate Jalen Hurts, obviously, but there is one play that everybody is fired up about. We all know it. We all saw it. Should holding have been called defensively at the end of the game? It changed the entire landscape of how the game ended. We're going to have that debate, but before we do that. We're going to get smarter about it with an expert. We'll do it next. Uh, somebody that knows plenty about that call and whether or not it should have been made will join us next on Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. He strives to be the greatest. That's the way he works. I mean, he wants to be the greatest player ever. I mean, here in the Super Bowl, you can worry about uh, getting it healthy in the offseason, so I, I just kind of fought through and we were able to win the game. Toughest son of a gun you ever you ever met, man. That Texas, that Texas gunslinger ain't going to let nothing get in the way. and Harry, the podcast. And the Kansas City Chiefs have won another Super Bowl. It's all, it always hurts, right? Anytime you don't come out on top, it hurts. We'll use this pain, we'll use this failure for motivation for us. You either win or you learn. That's how I feel. You either win or you learn. You know, really, really happy for Trav. You know, played his ass off. Um, that team deserves everything they had. You know, it's, it, it is it is a tough feeling to come up short. You know, it's a, it's a very tough feeling. Super Bowl 57, for many people, myself included, will go down as an all-time great. One of, if not the best Super Bowls we've ever seen. But like so many key moments in sports, it's not without controversy. As a defensive holding call at the end of the game sealed the fate for the Eagles and helped the Chiefs launch to victory. The question is... Was it the right call? Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. We're also on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and your smart speakers. You can just say, hey, play ESPN Radio, and they will. We're about to have a guest. Before we do that, I want you to hear what James Bradbury, the corner called for holding, said when he was asked about it after the game. I mean, that's not up for my judgment. You know, I, I was hoping he would let it go, but of course, you know, he's a ref. It's a big game, um, and it was, it was a hold, so they called it. It was a hold. He called it. The question is, is that the right call? Harry, let's grow the wolf back by one. Dean Blandino, Fox Sports uh, football rules analyst. We all love watching your work uh, on games all the time. Dean, thanks a lot for the time. We appreciate it. So you saw it. What was your immediate reaction to the call when you saw it? 
Yeah, well, my immediate reaction, like uh, always, ever since I've been involved in officiating, just praying that it was there, right? You're, you're hoping that, that when that replay shows that it's clearly a foul. And, uh, and you know, you got to give Bradbury credit, and, you know, to, to take it, take accountability and make those comments. Look, it, it's a hold. He grabbed the jersey. By rule, it's a foul. But I think, like you were saying earlier, right, this, this is going to go down as one of the greatest Super Bowls. And I think people feel, we all feel – a little bit cheated in that we didn't get Philadelphia with the ball back down three minute and 40 seconds to go. And it could have been even greater, but as an official, you know, they saw it and, and it was a grab and he made the call and, and if it's a foul in the first quarter. It's gotta be a foul in the fourth quarter. And it's just one of those deals where um, he made the call. And I thought it was, a, well, I thought it was the right call. Well, that's the thing for me, though, Dean, because I thought there were other plays early on in that ball game that should have been yeah. fouls that weren't fouls. Yeah. But then in that moment, it was. Like Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, when Bradbury pulled his arm early in the game, uh, whether it was a holding or a pass interference, it wasn't called. I thought that should have been called. There was also n- numerous of occasions where I've seen Chiefs defenders putting their hands in the face of wide receivers for the Eagles. That wasn't called. So why yeah. in that moment – are they calling that holding, but not calling it the entire game? I'm, I'm like, it's the consistency thing for me, being consistent throughout from start to finish. That, that's the biggest thing, and it's a great point. And, and that's what we always strive for is that consistency. Officials are going to make mistakes. It, it happens. But like you said, right, they had the early one on, on Smith-Schuster that wasn't called, and then you get late in the game. And I'm sure we could go through the tape and, and find some examples of plays that, yeah, it looks very similar to what was called on Bradbury. And you just want that consistency. If they're calling it the same way throughout the game, then, then you, you, know, you know, being a former player, players can adjust uh, to that standard. And, again, I haven't watched the, the, all the coaches' copy yet and looked at every, every single play, but you do want that consistency. you got to call it the same in the first quarter and the fourth quarter. It's just such a big situation. And, uh, and I think that, that kind of adds to the debate and controversy around it. So then oh, – go ahead, Harry. No, no, no. And I think it's important, though, Dean, because I thought that game – had a a moment to be a a classic, classic, classic. A lot of people still view it as a classic. I don't anymore because of the way it ended. And and, and like you mentioned earlier, I thought a a lot of people feel cheated. They feel robbed. Was it holding technically? Yes. I just don't know in that moment because I've seen a lot of more egregious holes than what I've seen on that play. I I don't know if I agree with it being called in that moment. Well, let me ask you, Dean, then, like, like in that moment, should situational awareness matter to an official when he's making a call? Yeah, again, we've gone through this, and it's a good question, and it's a a good talking point in terms of, right, but if you you officiate the situation and you just say, hey – the last two minutes, we're not going to call anything because we want the players to decide the game. Inevitably, you're going to get teams that are going to recognize that, and then they're going to play more aggressively, whether it's on the offensive line and they're going to get away with more in the defensive, you know, in the backfield and get away with more holding or illegal contact. And we've seen that in games, especially playoff games, where officials don't throw the flag and then teams take advantage of that. So you're impacting the game just as much by not throwing the flag. I don't think that was a game where, where either team was, was, was pushing the envelope. And again, it's not – you always teach the officials that they've got to be consistent because, again, if you if you calling it one way in the first quarter, then you say, hey, it's a close game, 
three minutes to go, we're not going to call it the same way because we don't want to be the story. Then you're not being consistent. So it's, it's a tough one. It really is. And again, like to Harry's point, um, we all wanted to see the Eagles get the ball back and see how that would have played out. And, and no one wants to see, okay, two kneel downs and a field goal. That's not an exciting ending to what, what was a really great game. All right, Dean, what did you think of the overturned touchdown on Bolton's second scoop and score that was called incomplete? I thought that was incomplete. I, I thought that's that's one we always talk about. It's a bang-bang play. The ball comes out. You know, I was watching. We were with the Fox pregame crew, and, uh, and so I was watching the game with, with Michael Vick, Charles Woodson, all those guys, and, and, and Charles immediately, he was like, that's incomplete. Um, and, you know, he didn't get – he didn't – performing that comment to the game, didn't get a third step down. So I thought that was the right call and replayed overturn that one. We're talking to Dean Blandino. I got to ask you this, Dean, because we talk about officiating so much. I know that officials are graded, and that's how we decide what crew goes where. What nobody's ever told me that I've never been able to find is what's considered a top-notch grade. What percentage of calls are the best officials getting correct? Yeah, it's and when we think about officiating, they do. They get evaluated on every every game. Every call, every time they throw a flag, that's evaluated. Calls that they should have made and didn't, that's evaluated. They're evaluated on mechanics, positioning, all of those things. Mm-hmm. And what I think sometimes we, we, we lose sight of, there's seven officials on the field, and they're making decisions before, during, and after every play. So you're talking about thousands of decisions that are being made. And the overwhelming majority of them, we're not talking about, right? But we end up talking about two or three decisions throughout a game. So for the most part, officials, the way they're evaluated, they're, they're, they're usually in, the, in the, the 95% in terms of accuracy, but there's always going to be plays that, that we're talking about. Like I said, we're talking about one play in a game where there's probably 150, 160 plays, and like I said, multiple decisions on each play. And so they're very, they're very good, they're very accurate, but they're not perfect, and, and inevitably we're going to be talking about plays in games like this. If, if the league simply made that information public, just like we've gotten used to 65% completion percentage being great, couldn't, we, couldn't some of the controversy around officiating be ended if we were allowed to see the numbers in a way that normalized expectations so that we knew good officials, bad officials, we had a better understanding of what was expected? Yeah, and more transparency, and I think the league has been hesitant, and that was always one of the things, challenges when I was at the league office. The transparency, I think, eliminates a lot of the, the kind of the conspiracy theory or, or whatever it is. And so the more you can show people the process, here's what they go through, here's how they're evaluated, here's how they're held accountable. Because a lot of people still think that officials just show up on Sunday, work the game, and then go home, and they don't do anything else during the week that's football-related. And that couldn't be farther from the truth. So I think, yeah, I think there is an opportunity for the league to create more transparency around how officials are evaluated and their process. And I think that, that, could, that could you know reduce some of the angst that, that surrounds officiating. Dean, we really appreciate your time and expertise, man. Thank you so much for hanging out with us, and thanks for all your great work that makes us smarter every weekend. You got it, guys. Take care. Dean Blandino, Fox Sports Football Rules Analyst. Fitz and Harry's presented by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career path with flexibility and great pay and benefits? Go to Progressive.com slash careers and apply online today. Bundle today at Progressive.com. The Eagles, what if I told you the Eagles could have actually prevented that holding call if they'd done one thing? Fitz and Harry, the podcast.
receiver's right. One left. Mahomes takes the snap. He's back. He is firing, and it is incomplete, but there's a penalty flag thrown. The pass was intended for Smith-Schuster on the far side of the field, but the flag came, and I think it's going to be defensive holding against the Eagles. Sports Radio 94 WIP on the call. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. And on your smart speakers. All you have to do is ask them to play ESPN. You just heard it. The call heard round the world. I don't know. We were sitting around, a bunch of us watching the game. I didn't remember any egregious reaction of the, oh my God, you can't call that. But that's where we are now, where the whole world's uh, reacting to the, let's say, very, like, nobody's saying it wasn't a penalty. It's just, uh, should it have been called at that moment? But we were getting ready for the show. And this is these are the moments that I just flat out love working with Harry Douglas. Because, Harry, you made a point I never would have thought of, and it comes down to something we say all the time. Coaching matters because Philly could have done something that would have prevented this entire situation. Yeah, and I don't know if they actually did it or not, but I'm, I'm going to bring up the situation anyway, right? There were two opportunities for Philadelphia in that, in that predicament when Kansas City had the ball at the end of the game. It was one time during a two-minute warning in which in that situation when guys are listening and talking to their coaches or amongst each other, they have to know that any sort of penalty that would have gave Kansas City a first down basically would have ended the game for them. Um, also, there was a timeout after that second down play in which the Eagles called a timeout, which was another opportunity, a second opportunity for anyone coaching staff-wise, and I'm not, I'm not going to sit up here, I don't know if they said it or not, to let their players know that, hey, we cannot afford a penalty that results in a first down for the Chiefs in this moment. Now, Let's just say hypothetically they did mention it to the players. It also shows you the power of instincts, right? And you think about James Bradbury, who was called for the holding penalty that, that gave the Kansas City Chiefs a first down. Even if coaches did say it, you're so engulfed, you're so used to your instincts taking over in situations like that to the point to where he, he tugged them a little bit. He grabbed them a little bit. He held them. Even if, and, and, and I don't know if the coaching staff or anybody mentioned that they can't afford a penalty in that, in that moment, but even if they did, the instincts and things happen so fast, sometimes it's hard to overcome it, overcome it, Fitz. Well, yeah, I mean, this all speaks to communication, and it also speaks to discipline. Like, we were watching, and I think every football fan, the minute Jarek McKinnon fell down uh, at the two-yard line at the end of the game, that was one of those moments you're like, oh, that's the smart football play. Like, we've become mm-hmm. sort of conditioned to the smart football play. And you see players taking advantage of it more and more. But in an analytics world, there has to be constant communication with everybody. And you make a great point. Like, instincts are instincts. You're about to get beat for a touchdown. Maybe maybe you're holding because you think you can get away with it. Maybe you just – it's the way you're playing the game. I understand instincts set in. But part of coaching is to remind people that situational awareness has to win over instincts in certain situations, right? Like. That makes yeah. sense to my brain. Look, I'm not going to pretend to know but, 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 how to do me, that on the field, this, but that makes sense to my brain. Let me let me say this really quick, too, because let me tell you how quickly and how fast James Bradbury has to shift his mindset in that moment. Normally, in cases like that, you want your DB, you want your corner, uh, if he thinks he's about to get beat, to grab a hole, a pass interference, so he doesn't give up a touchdown. 
That's normally the case 95% of the time. But in that situation, that's when you don't want your cornerback to get a penalty, uh, a holding or a pass interference because it's going to give the Chiefs a first down. And now you're only going to get the football back with seconds left on the clock. So that's how quickly uh, a, a player in the moment has to shift his mindset. And it's easier said than done. Yeah, there's no doubt that the human instinct, you've been playing the game your whole life. You do certain things on certain plays like instinct matters. But there's also just a moment where the coaching has to come in and instill a certain level of discipline, especially in a game that was so close. Nuance matters to all of this. So it is amazing. And we don't know. We, as you mentioned, we weren't on the sidelines. Maybe they did say, hey, guys, uh, the one thing we can't afford is a penalty here. But if they did say that, then that only becomes even more frustrating, I think, for, for fans involved. That that was the one, the one outcome you couldn't have, right? Like giving up the touchdown there still gave them time. And that was obviously coached on the McKinnon play because you saw the Eagles players all sort of pull up. They were going to let him score. There was no interest in stopping him. So by that point, it had sort of soaked And it goes back to when we talked to Diana uh, Russini last week, and she talked about Andy Reid and that coaching staff going through situational football, going through the ins and outs of everything that could transpire in a Super Bowl in the biggest game of a lot of these guys' career, in the biggest game of the year. It pays dividends to show you that Andy Reid and the attention to detail, that's what they do on that side. Not not saying that Nick Sirianni and those guys didn't do that. I'm just saying that we know because we heard from Diana Rossini, who was covering this team during the Super Bowl, that Andy Reid and and his staff and those guys were going through uh, everything. They were crossing their T's and they were dotting their I's in every situation that could arise in the Super Bowl. It also speaks to calm, cool, collected in the moment. And that's one thing that we saw at the end of this game. You know, the the pregame shows were pointing out even the differences in the team meetings the night before and the emotion and tears and and sort of the the power that was coming from the Eagles where the Chiefs were much more matter-of-fact and just sort of much lighter and looser. Uh, The Chiefs felt like they were prepared for absolutely every situation. That being said, there was one thing that absolutely stood out as the most impressive part of the Chiefs' win. We'll tell you what it is next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. 